Ready, set, go! Welcome back to the EV Diaries. As always, I am your host, Ben, and I will be your tour guide on this amazing journey into the land of electric vehicles. We like to discuss EVs and their impact in small town America, and our hope is that if you do live in a small town, that you will consider an EV because I do believe there's some benefits to be had. I mentioned last week an email from Anthony and it was along the same lines as the email from Barry, which we went over um, last week. Um, the whole crux of the conversation was the need for faster DC fast charging as range and ability increases. Now, I have to say, admittedly, that I was focused more on the smaller chargers and it was coming from a point of view where I have a smaller ability to charge. I can only charge at 50 kW. So I understand that if you do have a longer range car and it can charge faster, that you definitely need that. So guys, you were able to change my mind. Anthony reminded me though of several things that some of the states are doing and sort of the role in government right now as we shape the EV future. One of the ways that governments can influence everything moving ahead is partnerships. And we've seen that in Oklahoma. This came up in an EV meeting at East Kentucky Power with the EV focus group that I'm part of. And again, Anthony reminded me of this, but the state of Oklahoma has set up a network of 200 KW chargers all across the state. And this was a partnership between the government, utilities, planners, local governments, all on the hopes that one day they would have this charging network. And a lot of this, I feel, and we've discussed this in my focus group, was the fact that the F-150 is coming, or at least Ford still insists that we're going to have an electrified F-150 and the torque and the towing is going to be something that farmers will greatly appreciate. But again, most of the charging will probably be done on the farm, but if you head to town, which as you know, if you live in Oklahoma, it could be a fur piece. <laughs> so you want to, once you get the fur piece, be able to charge so you can get back home. Anyway, partnerships are a great way for government to be involved. Um, the PSC, which is a government organization, they are crucial. And we're seeing this right now in a, a big way. Public service commissions are set up for customer protection. They're trying to keep one group from being unfairly burdened by utility rates. They're keeping one group from subsidizing another group. They want long-term rate stability, and they are giving a platform for the little guy in respect to all these larger utilities. So it's a big deal when they allow EV charging for infrastructure. 
California right now, the Public Service Commission there is allowing Southern California Edison to invest $442 million in infrastructure. That's going to result in over 40,000 ports in the next four years. And they're going to range everything from level one, level two to DC fast charging. And I read in one of the articles that I will post to Flipboard that this should meet about a third of their expected need. Because you see, California is aiming to have 5 million zero emission vehicles on the road by the year 2030. They're hoping to also have a quarter of a million charging stations, although not all of those are going to be DC fast charging. Similarly, New York has allowed some investor-owned utilities to invest $701 million for infrastructure. Now this should result, according to the article, 50,000 new level two stations and 1,500 DC fast charging stations scattered across New York State. Their goal is to have 850,000 zero emission vehicles on the road by 2025. Now they expect the cost or well, the duration to recover the cost of these, this $701 million investment to be about 15 years. So members, or well, I should say customers for these investor owns, uh, you can look for a rate increase, although they promised the PSC that it was gonna be slight. They're also including some make ready programs for medium duty and heavy duty EVs. So I guess they're anticipating, based on the often misquoted phrase from Field of Dreams, if you build it, somebody's bound to show up. Anyway, one part of this approval allows for $206 million to be spent for equitable asset, access and benefits for lower socioeconomic, boy, that's a hard word, for lower socioeconomic and disadvantaged communities. And there's going to be incentives for, in uh, for installing chargers in these, these locations. Now, I'm not sure exactly what that will look like in practice. I don't know how often these stations would be used, but it does show forward thinking on the part of the utility and the PSC looking towards a day where EVs are less expensive and widely attainable. I'm just imagining some of the impoverished areas around me, you know, there's not a whole lot of EV adoption yet, and it may be decades before there, there really will be any EV presence in some of these locations. But again, it's forward thinking, and I hope that they realize that they're not just pandering to the affluent, which so many tax incentives and programs have been demonized that way. Another way that states and the governments can uh, really step up is leading the way. And I have Florida in mind when I'm talking about this. They are using their Volkswagen money, the Volkswagen Dieselgate settlement money, 
they are going to use $8.6 million of the $166 million that they got from Volkswagen on charging. And all in all, they expect this program to actually spend $25 million. The first round of stations are supposed to be 27. They're going to be along I-75 and I-95, which if you're not familiar, are the main north-south routes that uh, run on either side of the state and the Florida Turnpike, and that's just sort of the big road in the middle that goes east to west, or west to east, depending on which coast you're coming from. Now, in a follow-up email, just a conversation that I had with Barry, he pointed out that DC fast charging at rest, at rest areas makes sense if you've got something for someone to do while they're waiting for their car to charge. And I know in Kentucky that, you know, we've got restrooms, vending machines, a few brochures, and it's really just a place to stop and stretch your legs. I guess technically you could use one of the picnic tables and a lot of people walk their dogs. But if I remember right, because it's been some time since I've been on the Florida Turnpike, uh, the rest areas usually have a gas and convenience store, or at least several of them do. They've got picnic areas and everything else. So you could easily stop and dwindle away 20 to 30 minutes and not even realize it. Um, I said that it's, it's been a while, and that's what I remember of the Florida Turnpike. Uh, one time, about 20 years ago, I had one of the uh, Turnpike officials yell at me, and I've only been on the Turnpike once or twice since then, and um, I don't think I've been on that section that it was on. But anyway, that's a digression. Um, Kentucky got some some settlement money too. I'm forget how much. I uh, don't think it was quite as much as Florida. And the Kentucky Department of Energy requested proposals for how to spend the money. It's supposed to go for alternative fuel vehicles and green projects. And the last update I got, which has admittedly been several months ago, that there wasn't going to be any money for EVs. It was all going to get spent on natural gas buses for city transportation and some school bus pilot programs. Say la vie. That's the way it goes. We pled our case as best we could. And it seems to me that sometimes lawmakers lack vision and sometimes others are just taking care of their own interest. I know it was... Uh, one of the comments that came out of the discussions as it was relayed to me, like I said, this is secondhand information. One of the lawmakers uh, didn't think we needed any DC fast charging stations because they never see anybody using the stations that we do have other than Tesla owners. And um, they're either, uh, this lawmaker either wasn't looking uh, at the right time or they're being short-sighted in their own assessment of the situation. But getting back to, to this um, uh, state's taking leadership, Anthony did report to me that uh, Washington State has a $150 EV tax every year, and they also, if you own a hybrid or a battery electric vehicle, 
they tax you another $75 to fund EV infrastructure programs. Anthony lives in Seattle, so I guess um, uh, he knows this firsthand. Of course, my take on all of this is sort of mixed. The money coming from these projects have to be coming somewhere. They're either coming from customers, investors, or taxpayers. And that's just simple fact of the matter. Investor-owned utilities have, uh, they've got to keep the bottom line in focus. They have to make a profit for their investors and their money has to come from their customers and has to make their investors a profit. So when they spend large sums of money, somebody's gonna pay the difference. Either the investors are not gonna get as big of a return or the customers are gonna to have to pay more or in this uh, many cases, both. Um, you got municipalities and this is uh, which we call munis. Uh, these are city owned utilities or government owned utilities um, you know, they've got customers, they also have taxpayers because part of their budget comes from the city budget or the county budget for the year. Co-ops, like uh, my utility, we have member owners. So me as a member, I own the utility and I am really concerned about how they spend their money as well I should be. Any way you slice it, all of these are using other people's money. And other people don't always agree with the way the utility spends the money. So in these cases with the PSC, it's good that they're thinking long-term in these cases. I do like the idea of partnership, but anytime that you've got government working with a, an outside party, there's always room for abuse and cronyism. Um, and again, you're playing with taxpayers' money, uh, which is, you know, governments think it's unlimited, but us people paying taxes, we know that it's, uh, it's very limited. Uh, I like the leadership role. Again, you're dealing with taxpayer money, and you have to ask who profits financially. In all these scenarios, EV owners win, but at what cost? Because we have a society that a large chunk is not set on an EV future. They're not environmentally conscious and they may not agree and probably don't with the way that this money is being spent. But you know what? I might save that for a drive time episode. You got to realize that we are still feeling our way through all of this and we're still at the early stages of EVs even though they've been around for a while and even though um, manufacturers are making some some big strides we're still this is just the beginning as technology improves and prices keep dropping we're going to experience some some growing pains but at least we're growing that's it for this episode. Hit that subscribe button. And I've decided I want to wrap up with some positive motivation um, just to help us all focus, especially in this time during the pandemic. So 
I think about, and this is this is sort of cliche, but hang with me. Uh, Mahatma Gandhi once said, "Be the change you wish to see in the world." And I believe us as EV owners and enthusiasts and supporters are doing that. So keep up the good work. The EV revolution is here, and we will figure it out sooner or later. But until then, enjoy the ride. <laughs>